Hey guys, real quick before we get into this episode, I need you to do me a couple of favors. First, go give us a review on iTunes. I can't stress it enough. It's really, really important for me to help keep this free and to help me keep it going. Next, get involved with your hunting rights. Go join Howl for Wildlife. Super simple. Takes a couple minutes. You can even do the free membership. I don't care. But be involved. Lastly, I want you to do yourself a favor and up your shooting game and go get you some Phoenix shooting bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%. That's all I got for you. Let's get into this episode. Hey guys, I have to apologize. Um, we lost like the first 15 minutes of this podcast. Uh, the file got corrupted. Not sure exactly what happened. Uh, showed that we had it, so, but I don't. We're uh, talking with uh, Shane Edgar, uh, who is my lead guide for Days in the Wild and uh, one of my good friends and probably number one hunting partner. Um, and we're talking about coos deer and we're breaking down the different um, seasons, the different rifle seasons. And um, there's still a lot of good information in the podcast, but we lost a little bit in the beginning here. So I apologize and uh, we'll have Shane back on and kind of go over some other stuff. Um, and, and hopefully we won't have any issues on that one. But without further ado, here is the rest of the podcast. All right, sorry, we had a little technical difficulty right there. Um, where were we? D- yeah, the December hunts, the coveted tag, and the most, it's the most sought after because of the rutting activity, the chances of seeing a bigger buck, so on and so forth. But um, let's break down uh, each each hunt and then we'll kind of dive deeper into that third hunt because that's the one that I get the most questions about. All right. So personally, um, you, you got the first two, you go from, you know, the end of October hunt and then there's normally a week and then you get the second, uh, beginning of November hunt. Mm -hmm. To me, it's kind of, it's kind of a toss up between the two. Mm -hmm. They're both, they both can be uh, phenomenal hunts. But in my opinion, every year is different. And I know me and a lot of a lot of the people I hunt with, we kind of we base our our put in on that hunt on the moon phase. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's still warm. Those hunts are still unless unless if you get a year like this year was actually pretty cool and it wasn't it wasn't that bad. But normally that hunt, you know, it's like a light jacket in the morning. And, you know, by nine, 10 o'clock, you're in a t-shirt and you're getting a sunburn, you know, right. it yep. gets a, gets mid to high eighties in, in these desert units. Um, so the moon phase affects those hunts a ton. If you, if you, you know, whether the full moon lands on the first hunt, you know, you're going to want to put in for the second hunt just because with it being warm, if your hunt is at the dead center of a full moon, those deer turn pretty much nocturnal. And, and they can be really, really hard to find. Um, so that's kind of how I base, base those hunts off of, Mm -hmm. but also at the same time, you gotta, it's a, it's a toss up there because that October hunt, you're the first one in, 
the deer haven't seen people. They haven't been shot at. They haven't been, you know, people hiking all around, blowing them out of the country. So if you really put in your work leading up to that first October hunt, which is kind of my favorite hunt, those deer are going to be relatively in the same areas that they were at all summer. So if you scout, you know, all the way through July when they're in velvet, you know, that velvet sensitive, they don't get into the thick stuff. They try to stay out in the open. They're easier to find in July and August. And once they do strip that velvet on that, you know, that first hunt's not far from it about a month or so those deer don't go far. A lot of times we kill those bucks within a quarter or a half mile or sometimes even the exact same, you know, hillside that we've watched them in from July, August, and through September. Um, If you do happen, that first hunt does land on the full moon, they might be harder to find, which they normally are because the sun's coming up and they're already bedded. Right. So you got to, you know, they're harder to find you're looking more for a bedded deer at first light than you're looking for one moving around of feeding. But if you stay out, you know, you scout your areas, you know what deer are there and you put in the time to sit there all day on your glassing hill, that deer will stand up eventually and you can find them. But that's, that's kind of why I like that first August or October hunt, sorry, Mm -hmm. because you're the first one there. The deer haven't been pushed around. They haven't been shot at. Um, but you know, the moon phase does really, I think, affect those first two hunts. Yeah. Um, no, I you know, feel that if, same. If, if you are a guy, you know, that works a lot and you, you don't have time to really get out and, you know, spend three, four days a week out there looking for a deer or after work or that kind of stuff. Um, the moon phase, you know, you may have one or two days of scouting, if any, you're not going to see as many deer if you're on a full moon, you know, full moon cycle on your hunt. It's going to be tougher. Hundred percent. I couldn't agree. I've been. I mean, I've been saying that for a long time. Um, that's a very um, hot, hot weather uh, thing. You know, any state that has hot weather, the moon really comes into play. Because those deer don't want to be out there when it's super duper hot, and if they got a full moon, it's like daylight out there, and they could spend more time doing what they need to do at nighttime. And it's cooler. Yeah, exactly. But one thing that that I tell a lot of people, it took me a few years to actually figure it out, is even though the moon phase, this and that, whether it's moon phase or pressure those deer go for months without, you know, very rare, you know, not a ton of pressure, vehicles driving on roads, that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, the Thursday before the hunt, there's a hundred trucks driving the road, you know, not necessarily hiking and pushing them around, but they went from seeing, you know, maybe 20, 30 vehicles a week to Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, they started seeing 50 to a hundred a day. You know, that's obviously kind of high numbers, but right. you know, some of these main, main roads, <laughs> some of them are worse than that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. They go from all of a sudden they're hearing all the vehicles going by. They're seeing all the vehicles going by. We always make jokes like, Oh dear. No, it's opening day. Well, they, you know, do. they obviously don't necessarily know it's opening day, but for the past, you know, 
shoot, almost, you know, seven, eight, nine months, there's been a handful of cars drive by a day. And all of a sudden, two days before the hunt, the day before the hunt, 50 drove by and they go, whoa, that's weird. And they sit down mm-hmm. and kind of the point I'm getting at. And like I said, it took me a few years to actually figure it out is everybody obviously goes and hunts the morning, right? Mm-hmm. So opening morning comes, you know, an hour before light, two hours before light, all of those vehicles are driving up and down those roads. Those deer just sit down, they bed down. They, they don't know what's going on. It's okay. This is weird. They lay down and it goes all morning during prime time. Guys are road hunting, driving by switching spots, glass, you know, going to different glassing areas. And then, you know, 10, 11 o'clock comes and everybody heads back to camp to get lunch. Mm-hmm. The roads calm down, pressure calms, drives down. Those deer are still hungry. They're thirsty. You know, they have to, they still have to do the normal things. But when there's so much pressure, they decide to put it aside just to, you know, for their safety. Mm-hmm. At 10, 10, 11 o'clock, that's when those deer get back up and actually do the things they need to. So, like I said, it took me a few years to figure that out, but it's almost to the point now on those October hunts, I'd rather, obviously I'm going to be out at first light, but I would rather sleep in, Mm -hmm. get up, eat breakfast, and head out at about 9, 10 o'clock. And most of your deer movement on these high pressure hunts, you know, the hunts that have three, four, five hundred tags, most of your deer movement is going to be from 11 o'clock to three when everybody's sitting back at camp lounging back in their chairs eating lunch and taking a nap Mm -hmm. that is when we we have started to kill more of our mature deer you know and and see a lot more deer because there's not pressure that time of day they're up doing what they got to do and then about that you know two three o'clock when people are like all right let's head out for the evening they start driving the roads again boom the deer lay back down until dark right my philosophy on that is just hunt all day long, no matter what, because you never know. Like, yeah, you might, you might find that guy, that one moving in the morning. Um, and you might get that one, those, you know, that activity midday, like you were just talking about. It's hard because I was a big, you know, I'm a, I'm a slave to my stomach. Anybody who knows me very well knows that I got to eat all the time. Um, but I always make, I, I make it so that now that I have that stuff with me, I don't have to go back to camp or go back home or whatever the case may be. Um, and, and just kind of, you know, be at it all day to get, you know, know, there's, there's times where I'll take a little bit of a break, but I'm with you. I know. Yeah, I mean, if you take, you know, take a 30, 45 minute, you know, snack break, quick nap in the shade of shade of a bush or truck, whatever you want to do. But like, I just think that that time frame, that 11 to 2, 11 to 3 o'clock is such a crucial time to have your eyes in the glass. Mm-hmm. And it sucks because it's freaking hot. I was going to say, that's the, the worst thing about that first haunt, man. Like, it's <laughs> so hot. Like, you don't want to do that. This, the sun is blaring down just just you know you're trying to glass into the sun so you can be glassing the shady hills and the shade pockets and this and that but it's it's the time to be glassing and i think that's when a lot of those bigger deer and a lot of your more mature deer get killed because they're smart they know Mm -hmm. they know when you know shoot 
you know, everybody was driving around this morning. Now there's nothing. Okay, let's get up, do what we got to do. Okay, everybody's back. Boom. Let's lay back down. Hi. Right. Right. Yep. No, for sure. And it makes perfect sense. Um, and I've, I've witnessed that on multiple species in multiple places. That's a very common thing. Pressure definitely dictates what the deer are going to do. They're, they're designed, especially when you're talking about whitetail of any species, coos, uh, they're very in tune to, especially if they're used to human activity, they're very good about planning their day around human activity. Yep. Uh, so. And I, and I hear it, I hear it year after year. And I know, I know you guys, you've heard it as well. Everybody's like, man, I watched this buck for three months, had him all the way up, up into the hunt. Mm-hmm. You know, Wednesday, Thursday, I couldn't find him, and I never saw him on the whole hunt. He disappeared. He left the country. Right. And it's like, no, you know, I. sometimes, yeah, they do get up and move. Sometimes they might move one canyon over, this and that. But a lot of times, those deer are right there and the, doing the same exact thing that they've done the previous mm-hmm. three months, except now they're just doing it in the dark or the middle of the day, one right. of the two. Right. Yeah. You Tr- trust and, your scouting for sure. Yeah. Those, those deer, you know, maybe, maybe he might, he might not be in that same draw or that same Canyon. He might be over on the next one, but you know, just take for my deer, for instance, my deer has been in the same, the deer I just shot, granted it's a mule deer, but it's been in the same, on the same hillside, it feeds on the same bench every stinking morning, opening day comes and I'm hunting there and he's nowhere to be found. I don't know where he is. He's not where he's been you know, he didn't do his normal things. So I'm like, what the heck? Couldn't turn him up. And then I had the two days of the tournament Monday morning. I go out, I park, I'm trying to pick apart the, the hillside that he's always at. And all of a sudden the guy I was with turns over and he's like, Hey, there's two deer way over here to the right. And we're talking, it's probably a mile away from where the deer have spent the last six months. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, Oh, probably just does. And, and I turn, he's like, oh, it looks like bucks. I turn and look over. I was like, holy cow, that's them. There was two bucks that, that had been running together. You know, it, it's nothing for a deer to move a mile, you yeah, know. Like, especially in that country, they, yeah. They can do it so quickly. And uh, they're always going to be in that area. But sometimes you got to move just a little bit further. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so... Is there any like strategy differences between that first and that's this hunt that's coming up now next week or actually two days from now? Friday. So the first to the second hunt? Yeah. I think my strategy for the most part stays relatively the same other than instead of looking in those, those hillsides and canyons that I do. Anybody that knows me knows I don't hike. As much as I should, you know, John makes jokes all the time. I, I, so I didn't want to I'm call you out on that, but made, but you're very made, effective, I've, so I can't I can't complain. <laughs> a, a lot of my spots are freaking right on the side of a main road, or maybe right. You know, I normally am within a couple hundred yards of the truck. Now, granted, when I find something, I'm going. You know, it doesn't matter. I'm not lazy when it comes to going to kill it, but I normally don't get too far from the truck while I'm glassing. That's what we have the expensive binoculars. You know, we got the Swaros, we got the BTX. That's what we pay that stuff for. So we let our eyes do the walk. And that's my philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Now on that first season, those deer aren't as pressured. I think you can find a lot of deer close to the road, you know, close to the main roads. Granted, there's always deer that live, you know, resident deer that live away from the road. Mm-hmm. Um, from the first to the second hunt, those deer have just had, depending on your hunt, you know, I hunt unit 21 a lot. Um, there's 350 tags. I think this year there's 325. Um, that's a lot. That's a lot of people in there. Cause you figure nobody's hunting alone. You know, you got at least two people, you know, in big groups, there's yep. a lot of pressure. Those deer go, you know, they don't get up and move 10 miles. They might just go, just like I said, to the next Canyon. So my philosophy geez, I can't talk philosophy from the first hunt to the second hunt is I'm still going to look at that stuff that, you know, might be right off the road or, you know, I got to hike a couple hundred yards to get a good vantage point. Now I might be strapping up the boots and, and instead of glassing that front Canyon, I'm going to hike up and go glass the back one. Hmm. You know, it's not, you know, maybe the second hunt, I think you have to put in a little bit more, you know, boots on the ground, lace them up and let's go to get back to where those deer are going to go hide. So, I mean, we have all these maps on our phones, you know, flatline maps, we have Onyx, you know, we use all of that stuff. Just look, you know, hey, I've, you know, if you got to preseason scouting, you know, shoot, I'm upset because, you know, I got the second hunt and somebody's going to, you know, maybe shoot my deer or this and that. Look where he's going to go, you know. Okay, he's been in this draw for the last three months. Now he's not there. Okay, where's he going to go? I think you got to kind of put your mind in into deer mode. What's safe? You know, does the next canyon give him food, water, and shelter? The three things they need, food, water, shelter. If they don't have it, they're going to the next canyon. I like um, north-facing stuff this time of year. Yeah. The sun is the sun is lower or you know further south than what it is a lot of the years. So anything north facing is going to be shaded throughout the day. North facing cuts, that kind of stuff. Canyons that run east and west, those deer are gonna you're gonna find them on the south side of the canyon with the face that faces north. That way those deer are shaded, you know way easier rather than a south facing slope that now they got to hide behind bushes and that they kind keep of stuff. Moving. They have to keep getting up and moving with the shade. Yep. Yeah. Keep moving. Exactly. Cause they're now they're bedded in small little pockets compared to, you know, a whole hillside that steep is going to be now shaded and the shade lines are going to be long because the sun is behind them rather than in front of them. Right. Right. So that's, that's kind of my look at it, you know, obviously you know we're here in arizona it's hot i mean even even right now i mean it's we're in november now and and it's still hot you still know, it's 80 still, degrees we're, yeah yeah we're still hitting 70 80 degrees those deer need water they need to drink almost daily so if if the next draw away you know think okay where are they gonna go okay this is the first place that they go that they can feel safe okay well wow this is pretty open there's not a lot of cover and there's no water source here but hey this next canyon over has you know juniper trees manzanita you know what's a desert holly you know the stuff that's that's thicker that they can hide in there's water in the bottom okay that's where i'm going to focus my attention to 
where they can go hide. Coos deer are big on cover. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be, I, I don't know if I'm calling it the right stuff. I've always called it desert holly. It's that stuff that has those spiky leaves that you always sit on. That's what I call too, but I don't know what that's called. They, yeah, it actually has like an acorn, doesn't it? Yeah, I think they grow these little acorns, but that stuff, like a, I don't know what I think it, it is. I think it's actually a white white oak scrub brush is what yeah. it is. But if, if you're in that stuff and it's thick, coos deer love that stuff because the bushes get tall and they can bed in it. They can disappear in it. Shoot you. We've had it multiple times where you're sitting there glass in the thickets and you see a deer and it walks into it and all you can see is its head. And you're like, holy cow, that's how tall it is. Mm-hmm. Then they bed in it and you'll never see it. Yep. yep. So I think for the second hunt, you got to more or less focus on, okay, where would a deer go after being pressured? After people have hiked up on it, after people have shot at it, that kind of stuff. Where are they going to hide? That's where they're going to be. Because they've only had a week to kind of settle back down. And most of the time that week, there's still mule deer hunters in there. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the hunts have, they go coos deer, mule deer, coos deer. So right. even though those deer aren't getting shot at, there's still vehicles driving. There's still people hiking around, you know, that kind of stuff. Those deer aren't going to switch back to their normal patterns in a week's time. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, that's kind of, that's kind of my approach on those first two hunts. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about this, the third hunt. Now the third hunt, I've heard many times from people, that's the worst hunt. You never want that hunt. But for a while, that was, you know, that's what the leftover tags were. It was the least, most least desirable hunt. And when we actually had leftover tags, now we don't because they all go. Um, that was the tag that was left. So I've hunted that hunt more than any of the other hunts. Like probably three to one <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, and I've grown to actually like that hunt because it's, coo- I, because I it's cooler <laughs> because yep. it's actually like, okay, it's actually hunting weather now, you know? Yeah. It's not, it's not hot as balls and you're freaking yeah. sweating and, and you don't got to wake up super early cause the sun comes up at seven something. Right. You know? Exactly. Like, exactly. It feels more like, like a hunt <laughs> hunting time. <laughs> But, um, so, but that's about, that's the only reason why I like the hunt. I'm not saying that like it's any better or whatever, but that's the reason why I've always gravitated to that hunt. Uh, and I stayed away from the second hunt. I never liked the second hunt for, for me. Uh, and I, it's been a very long time since I've been on it or guided anybody on it. Um, like you were saying, the pressure was definitely felt from the first hunt definitely altered what the deer were doing. And I just found that yeah. I found that I found that just a little bit harder for me. I would agree. Um, now I think kind of diving into that third hunt, the Thanksgiving hunt, I, I would agree that it is a pretty tough hunt. I've, I've been a part of it the last couple of years and, and I've, I've done it it seems like you see more deer on that hunt mm-hmm. because it is, it is cooling down. Um, it's, you know, the, the temperature's changing. Um, they can, they can feel the ruts coming 
you know, it's it's cooling down. You're right at that beginning of December, and I think it's kind of depending on the year you might run into like the pre-rut. But the only problem I've found with that hunt is you see a ton of deer, and 99% of them are going to be does. Right, and you see and, and you see a opinion. lot of really young bucks. I think most of the young bucks get killed on that hunt. That's where all the forkies get killed. But from my previous experiences, if you can find the bucks on that hunt seem to be in pockets. It's, it's really weird. You can go, you know, cover miles and it's like does, does, does. But the first time you see a freaking buck, you know, granted, spikes don't count because normally they're somewhere around the does right but you see you know a two point or a three point spend some time in that area i last year was a great example i guided guided a guy and uh we were driving down the road Shoot, there's a buck right there you know we tried to make a play on him it didn't work out and so that afternoon i was like all right let's hike up here let's see if we can turn him back up and all of a sudden we had gone from that was the first buck we had seen and we seen like 40 does that morning to now I'm sitting on this glassing knob going, there's bucks, there's bucks, there's bucks all in this like half square mile area. Mm-hmm. And then if you got outside of that, all you saw was does. Yep. So I think, I think that's one of those hunts. Now it, it kind of, unlike the October hunt, you can't, scout starting in the summer all the way up to it because those deer get pushed around on two different hunts and that kind of stuff but you know if you spend you know a a week or a weekend or two weeks before that hunt just trying to locate your pocket of bucks like okay where are the bucks at that hunt can be phenomenal and you can see a ton of bucks once you locate the pockets of bucks and where they're at so I i want to add something to that now, this is playing the long game a little bit more. Um, since this is a tag that's a little bit easier to get, you might be able to get it back-to-back years. Um, I found that once you've located the pocket of bucks, typically the very next year, unless there's a drastic change in habitat, that pocket of bucks will be the same pocket of bucks the following year. That's been my experience. Have you seen that? Yeah, I've seen that. And I think that even goes um, for all the coos hunts, you know, at least the first three mm-hmm. is the the places, you know, the hillsides, the canyons, you know, that kind of stuff that we hunt. It's like every place that I've killed a coos deer at or been a part of, mm-hmm. I've killed another one. Right. You know, right. Every spot that we've killed a deer We've killed multiple, and you can find them in those spots year after year. Now, granted, one year they might be, you know, there might be a pocket of bucks that are, you know, 80 to 100 inches, and next year there's spikes in two points. Right. You know, it, you know, each spot kind of rotates as the deer get killed and kind of move in and out. But I would agree with you that the habitat, you know, if they're there one year, as long as you don't have a, you know, a drought year or a crazy, you know, I, I think we saw it last year with the insane amount of rain we had all summer long, it dispersed the deer out like crazy. Right. Because, because they didn't have to be in those, 
tight pockets it, where there was everything in one spot that everything became in multiple spots, you know? Exactly. Instead yeah. of them having to hang out around the drinkers or the, you know, the stock tanks and cattle tanks, that kind of stuff. Now all they got to do is drop into any bottom and there's water in every single bottom. You know, I, I think as long as you don't have one of those weird years where you have way too much rain or not enough, I think those pockets are year after year after year type of spots. There'll always be bucks in them mm-hmm. as long as, you know, you don't get lions move in or that kind of stuff. Right, right. I don't, I think that having too much rain is harder than not having rain. Cause obviously if you'd not have rain, it's really easy to figure out where the, it's very <laughs> easy to figure out where the permanent water is. Right. A hundred percent. And so. and I think our game and fish and, and the ranchers along with it have done a great job of, of supplying water out there, you know, for the years that are, you know, we, we don't get the monsoons and that kind of stuff. And, and it's so easy to find where these are at with the apps and stuff we have. Right. And that's always, if I'm going to a new unit, it's like, Hey, you know, you call me and you're like, Hey, I, you know, I need you to go check out this unit for a hunter. Right. It, the first thing I'm looking for is water. Right. That's, that's my first, my first look, because if there's water, there's going to be animals. If there's no water, you, you, there ain't going to be no animals there. Right. There's always something, in my opinion, there's almost always something to eat on the ground that they can feed on yeah. and they can almost, and they can almost bed just about anywhere, but they can't yeah. drink out of places that don't have water. Right. Water is definitely the limiting factor. Without a so, doubt. Without a doubt. And it's, it's, they can, it, it, and, and when you're hunting desert or, you know, any arid environment, it's, that's definitely the easiest thing to key in on is where the water's at they can make do with the food they have and they can make do with the shelter they have but they can't make do without water right exactly so um so let's talk a little bit about glassing glassing technique um I mean, we we can gear it specifically to that hunt, or you just you know, in general, I don't know if you change up your ways. I for those three first hunts, I don't really change up my ways. But as soon as the rut kicks in, I kind of change my my tactic a little bit. I, I'm a little bit more erratic, and um, I sh- and say it's not really erratic. It's got I got purpose to how I do it, but it, it's definitely more all over the place. It's not as systematic as the other. So I always, everybody glasses, the glasses with me, they're all like, holy cow, you glass fast. I, I've always been a fast glasser. Um, I'll sit down at a spot and it, it's one of those things that's kind of hard to explain. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's kind of the years and years of being out there. I, I pull up to a spot, hike up to a spot, whatever it be, however you choose to hunt. I sit down, I put my binos in the on my tripod and I have three, four or five, sometimes more spots that I'm looking at a hillside, a Canyon, whatever that I'm going to go. These are hot spots, whether it be, you know, a thicket, a shade pocket, you know, I know that there's a drinker up there. There's a spring, you know, basically I have 
a few spots that look good, you know, that, right. that I think yep. are going to be a high percentage spot. So my Binos hits those first, you know, boom, 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 all three spots, four or five, however many there is, I hit those hot spots first. Then after I've hit those, okay, there's just those, there's nothing there, when I, whatever it may be. Now I'm going to start, whether it be far right or far left side, it doesn't, you know, it just depends. I always start with what looks the best. And then I grid. I always grid up and down. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'll start at the top of the hill, grid down to the bottom, slide to the right. And I always overlap about a third. And then I go back up. Then I slide back to the right, drop down, and I grid up and down. My, I know there's some people grid side to side. I like to grid up and down. Uh, my reason for it is that 90% of your time, your deer are going to be walking left to right. And if you happen to be moving left, when a deer is moving left or moving right, you're kind of moving with it or against it, and you may not pick it up. Right. But if you're panning down or up and they move to the side, it seems like my eyes personally pick that up. It's, it's, you know, it's an opposite movement that, that my eyes pick up better. That's why I personally grin up and down. Yeah, I've gone back and forth. I think I like the up and down better. Well, and, and 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 I don't know if it's because I pick up more movement or not, but I, I could see where where what you're saying. Uh, I definitely, you know, we've had this conversation before anyway, uh, personally. But um, one thing that for me going up and down requires less adjustment. Like you have to move the tripod less. You have to like, you know, because when yep. you're looking at a mountain and you're going left to right, the mountain starts, let's say it's a, uh, you know, a classic pyramid shape out mountain or something like that you're looking at, you know, y you have to like, there's going to be areas that are not, um, you, that you can't see, right? Like, so you're constantly having to adjust and I don't know, I feel like you have to move the tripod a lot more when you go left to right. And, for, there's yep. multiple reasons why, but just take my word for it. Shut up. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but uh, no, it's it, you definitely have to move the tripod more. And it's like uh, just to be more efficient and spend less time messing with the damn tripod and making adjustments and turning your body or whatever, I feel like the up and down is a little bit more um, effective. And then if you're... And then if you're with somebody that you know is a great glasser, you can say, hey, you know, and you're trying to... My, my whole philosophy on when I'm glassing is obviously, you know, we did talk that yes, the afternoon is a better time, you know, is when we see a lot of deer, but you're also trying to chase the sun at the same time in the morning because that's when it's the nicest and you can see deer. So I'm trying to cover, I'm trying to hit three, four or five glassing spots before the sun is, you know, starting to get hot. Right. So if you're with, if you're with another guy that you know is glass, that is, you know, probably not going to miss deer you can pull up and say hey start on the left i'm starting on the right and then if you're glassing up and down we, you meet in the middle hey you're good yep i'm good boom you're down the road to the next spot and where if you're glassing side to side it's like you know you who knows what got hit type of thing you're not right you, you're not missing stuff and and i just i just seem like when i Every time I try to glass side to side, I get distracted on something, and then I just like, I go to leave, and I'm like, oh shoot, I didn't even glass that whole part of the hill. I just, 
it's it seems like i i am more efficient glassing up and down and i don't miss as much stuff same i feel the same way like for me like the act of going side to side feels easier yep it feels easier like definitely the motion's easier and manipulating the tripod head is easier um but it's there. I feel like you do. You miss. You miss more going that way. I mean, anyway. Moral of the story is you should have a system no matter what. Um, yep. And be, don't, be don't systematic. Don't just show up and right. Don't show up and and like fire glass. You know where it's like glass here, glass there, glass here, glass here. Like you said. Like I said, I do that when I first sit down at a spot. I have my spots that I'm looking real quick. Then I start. Okay, now yeah. I'm starting my system cover every inch and i normally will glass a spot depending on how open it is you know some spots it's like if there's an animal there you're gonna see it but i'm gonna glass two to three times at a spot and then i'm moving on now if it's a spot that i know that there should be deer at and and i'm not seeing them now i'm gonna glass you know four or five times i normally glass fast my first and second pass then my third and fourth, I'm going to move real slow. I'm looking under every bush, every tree. I'm looking for antlers, ear twitches, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep. And um, you're really effective. And everybody, Shane, Shane's got the, uh, I think I might have given him the, the nickname Eagle Eye Shane. But um, he's always been very, very good at picking up animals when nobody else is so um that approach that he takes is has a lot to do with the fact you know some of it's just anatomy and he's got good eyes but um you know having the system and being being effective is is all about you know following these rules that you set for yourself because it gets really easy to go too fast for what your eyes can see it's a, it's very easy for you to overlook stuff and very you know the other the flip side of it is too you don't want to spend too much time depending on the time of day too like if you don't want to spend too much time looking into one little spot because something could be moving you know over here and you haven't gotten to there and you by the time you get to there it's not moving anymore um, yeah so you know that's why I, I like the fact that you do the same thing i do is when first thing you go up is it's just like a, let me get a quick scan of everything real quick one. Yeah, let me hit that. Let me hit the high percentage spots. And, right. And it's just like, you know, I don't know. It's it's kind of the same attack I have when I fish. You know, hunting and fishing, I think go hand in hand. You know, if I'm if I'm pulling up to a spot to fish, and it's like, okay, this is the cast right here that has the highest percentage to catch a fish. I'm not going to make twenty casts all around it, and then on my twenty fourth or twenty first, I'm going to land right on it. No, I'm going right to, right to the juice. I'm making, right. you know, I'm making my first cast right where I think I have the highest chance to, to catch a fish. Same thing when I sit down to glass. I'm putting my binos on the highest percentage spots first. Then I'm going to look at everything else. It's same thing in fishing, just because they, you know, you don't catch one on that high percentage spot or you don't see a deer on the high percentage spot. Well, that doesn't mean there's not something on the lower percentage spots. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you got to pick it apart. Right. Right. Um, I guess, uh, let's move into that last season real quick. 
and then uh, and then we'll we'll call it. I think. Um, so that last season we mentioned that's definitely the hardest of the hunts to get because it's m- minimal tags. A lot of these hunts have what like twenty five tags, something yeah, like fifty. 10. Yeah, 10 to 20 to 50, I think, is 50 is the most. I think there was one that had 150. There might be some. Some of the down south ones might have a pretty good, pretty decent amount. Yeah, yeah. But. Either way, so there's way less pressure. You've had about, depending on when it starts, you've had only about a week or two sometimes in between that last hunt and this hunt. So they are, they are not like, they're not necessarily back on the pattern that they were, you know, preseason. Um, but the biggest advantage is now the weather's colder and the rut's coming. And the rut's coming. The, I was going to say that the big, the big thing there is the rut and bucks go from think- conserving energy to up on their feet looking. They're going seek yep. mode. So. I do think one of the biggest misconceptions about this this hunt is that it is a rut hunt, mm-hmm. and I don't know about you, and I know me and we've kind of talked about it. I think Arizona's rut, depending on where you are, we're talking desert, not kayabab, not strip, not pine trees, but desert. I think our rut is normally starts mid January and rolls all the way to the end of February. We've seen it. We've seen it on our Havelina hunts, you know, end of February, deer still chasing does all over, all over the place. Oh yeah. Um, so December, in my mind, that December hunt is is still pre-rut. If you get a cold year, the moon phase lines up right, you might see some of it. I always make jokes because that hunt is normally a two to two and a half week hunt. Mm-hmm. I always say I, I wouldn't hunt until the last week. Just to keep me, I, I'm trigger happy. You know, if I see a nice buck, you know, I've, you know, a hundred inch coos bucks, a phenomenal buck. But if you have that hunt, you know, you're trying to hold out for a 105, 110 plus type deer. You know, if I see a hundred inch buck, there ain't no way I'm passing it type of thing. Right. So I always make jokes like I wouldn't hunt until the last week. That mm-hmm. last week of December, and you even mentioned, you know, Christmas. Yep. From yeah. the 25th. The 25th to the 31st is really when stuff starts to move. You know, we've seen it before. We go down and, you know, we're hunting opening weekend of, of archer deer season. And there's bucks moving. They're looking for does. They're kind of doing their thing. But that last week of December, it always seems like Christmas is the turning point. Yeah. It's like it's like they know. You go out Christmas. Christmas, if you can make it out on Christmas Day – that is almost always the most crazy rut day you'll see in December is Christmas day. Yep. And, and that week following. So if you do happen to draw, you know, results are out. If you do happen to have that December tag and you know, it is a long hunt. And if you only have a week to hunt, you know, you can only get a week off of work. Definitely go do yourself, (laughs) do, do yourself a favor and take that last week of December off. I know a lot of guys, you know, me included, you know, opening day comes and you want to be out there opening day and you want to hunt that first week, but they're still kind of getting in the groove of things then. And you might not see as many deer. If you're only going to take a week to hunt, take that last week, do yourself a favor, 
it will be so much better. Go down opening weekend, hunt your two days. The next weekend, go hunt your two days, you know, your Friday, Saturday. But make sure you're being, you know, if, if your goal in mind is to shoot a, you know, a big deer, be super picky. You know, a 100-inch coos deer is a hard deer to pass. And, you know, I I still don't think that, I think 99% I of people are going to shoot, are gonna, <laughs> you, you know, are, are going to shoot a 100-inch deer on that hunt. Very, very few people aren't. But set your standards high. You know, if you do see a, you know, opening weekend or the second weekend, you see one of those high 80s, low 90s bucks, um, just do yourself a favor. Don't shoot it. See what you can shoot. Hunt that last week, and I can almost promise you that last week you will have opportunities at those high 80s, low 90s bucks. Mm-hmm. They they come out of they come out of nowhere, and but the downfall to that hunt, and we've talked year after year, and kind of why I'm not a huge fan of it is I like to put in work, go scout, go find my deer, have it picked out, watch him, learn him figure out what he does and then the hunt comes i go try to kill him right now granted it does it doesn't normally work out like that but that's that's my that's my approach and what how i like to hunt that december hunt i've seen it so many times where it's like you have a buck yeah you have a buck that you watched and then shoot you see him one day you know you see him the day before the season opens you see him on thursday Friday comes, you're like, all right, here we go. He's going to be right here, and you can't turn him up. Yeah, you're like, what the heck? A doe and four later, miles away smelled good, and he ran, he went to go find her. Yep, later that day, you pick him up three miles, four miles from where you saw him the day before. Yeah. The deer in December, especially coos deer, aren't I, – I wouldn't even say, damn, they're impossible. I think they're impossible to pattern. Yeah. I – I remember a hunt I was down. It was one of the first couple of times I hunted with you and uh, glassed up a nice coos buck bedded. Granted, this was January. And I, I get all radioed up. I get my bow and I'm about to start walking. I get halfway down the hill and you radio me. You're like, hey, he's up. And he just took off running. <laughs> Come back. And I'm like, what the heck? How do you spook? You know, we're still a ways away. Get back up top. And this deer ran for a mile and a half like something was chasing him and i'm like what the heck is going on and we watched him run all the way (laughs) yeah watched him run all the way across the flat and stuck his nose up a doe's ass a mile and a half from where he was bedded it's pretty crazy one it gives you insight to how well they smell okay exactly (laughs) it really it really does you know it's like and it wasn't like he was like turning and you know acting like he was spooked or anything that deer ran a beeline from his bed straight to that doe at a mile and a half away. Yep. And it happens just like that. You know, so that's kind of why I'm not a huge fan of the December hunts. But at the same time, it's cool out. They're pre-rut and they're looking for deer or does. Right. So those big bucks come out of those canyons that, you, that they've been in all year long. They come out of the thick bottoms that were they were impossible to glass. Now they're up on the hillsides chasing does around or looking for does and looking for for that kind of stuff. But it's not a patternable hunt. It's right. a be out as many days as you can to put your eyes on as many bucks as you can to find the one that you want to kill. Yeah. Now, the if you, if you do want to rely on some scouting, this is 
again, you got to play the long game on this. Um, a lot of the places where I know to find bucks in December is because I've spent January's or December's down there archery hunting. Yep. Um, and I also, you know, I've had the opportunity to pattern the does. The does will typically stay on their own patterns. And if you find yep. big pockets of does, you bet your ass there's going to be bucks coming in to check them. Now, will you be able to target a specific buck doing that? No, but I can guarantee you there a big buck will come through eventually to come check those does. So, yep. If you have, you know, like we were talking earlier on that November hunt, that that Thanksgiving hunt, if you do get out on that time and scout, look for those pockets of does if you have that December hunt. Right. Say, okay, shoot. In on this bench, on this, you know, in this pocket in this canyon, you know, there's four different groups of three to five does. Well, guess what? When that rut starts coming, bucks are going to come through and try and check all those does. Yep. You know, try to have your does mapped out and just waypoint them. You know, you think while you're scouting, like, what the heck, dude? I'm not seeing any bucks. All I'm seeing is does. Well, on that December hunt, that's not exactly a bad thing. That's actually right. the best thing you could have because yep. finding bucks and scouting for a December hunts, dang, they're useless. Yep. Yeah. Or, or unless you're going to, like you said, you're going to go before Christmas, that very opening week. You might have you might have some success doing that. But yeah. Soon as you that, might be able to pattern them before, but they do start to move a lot. Yep. Exactly. So, well, cool. I think um, we hit all the things that I got questions sent over to me. Um, and uh, if anybody else has any specific questions, go ahead and, you know, shoot me a DM and we'll, we'll, we'll have another we'll have another session here. Um, Shane, thanks, brother. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. And, uh, let's, uh, talk. We gotta, we gotta set up a couple, uh, <laughs> couple of the hunts here now that, uh, we, we figured out who drew what. So, <laughs> all right. Perfect. All right, buddy. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you.